The following Dharma talk was given by Ron Hogan Green. Hogan Sensei is a lay teacher in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at cmm.org. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon to all, to all. It's really good to be here. Uh, I had some family matters to attend to, uh, so I was not able to attend the first two sessions of Ango, and I'm really happy to be here now. Thank you. From the Ehe Koroku, Dogen's extensive record, Life and Death Without Abode, Dharma Hall Discourse requested by Bhikshu G for her late mother. So this is a, a brief talk that Dogen gave to the Sangha, to us, at the request of a, a nun in his Sangha, addressing the death of her late mother. And Dogen says, life has no place whence it comes. It is like putting on one's pants, however one's face is solemn. Therefore, it is said that 10,000 things return to the one. Death has no place to go. It is like taking off one's pants. However, our traces are dropped away. Therefore, it is said, to where does the one return? At this very time, how is it? After a pause, Dogen said, from the beginning, life and death do not involve each other. Offense and happiness are both empty with no place to abide. So I really feel that Dogen is talking to us as directly as possible through time and space. And he gave these short talks. They were direct, right there in the Zendo, just like we're sitting in the Zendo now. So I want to examine this section. We've all heard, perhaps for some decades for some of us, the evening gatha. Let me respectfully remind you, life and death are of supreme importance. Time swiftly passes by, <clears throat> and opportunity is lost. Each of us should strive to awaken. Awaken. Take heed. Do not squander your life. Usually, when we think of life and death, we think of life as the manifestation of our activity and consciousness and death as the sensation, cessation of our activity and consciousness. That's one perspective, perhaps our usual understanding. And implied in this way of understanding is how we live and die 
And there are many places within this way of understanding for us to grab onto, to hold, to treasure, to fear, to measure, to look at our regrets and failings in whatever way we have karmically created it, perhaps to regret our coming death or the time of our dying when we're alive. Dogen invites us to see that when we look carefully, our usual view is a very limited view. It's a very limited way of seeing into our understanding of our life and of our death. Can we see for ourselves that it's two sides of a single coin? Birth on one side, death on the other. And you and I can only know one side of this coin at a time. That's so interesting to me. Alive, we cannot know death. I mean, we can know thoughts about it, but we can't know death. And dead, we cannot own a life. Just is not available to us, whatever us is at that point. Dogen understood the single coin within his own life and death. He did not see life and death as opposites. When we look at life and death in opposition to each other, life becomes a thing. And as such, we conceive it as a fixed, static thing, my life. Death becomes a fixed and static concept. Ideas about rather than life and death, just as they are. But both life and death are dynamic activities. And there is nothing static about them. Life and death is the coin itself. It's not that life and death are like a coin with two sides. It is the coin. It is you. The way to see this for ourselves is to not be limited by our fears or ideas of birth and death. Can we directly look at our life, which is what it means when it says, strive to awaken in the evening gatha, strive to awaken. Directly look at your life without ideas about it. Life has no place once it comes. It's like putting on one's pants. I think that's such a cool analogy. <laughs> we just put on our pants. We would not usually inquire as to where the idea or impulse to do so comes from. We may have some sense of that, but that's not what's on our mind. I hope we do it. It's what is appropriate for our life at that moment. Put your pants on. In our zazen, where is the thought before our awareness of the thought? 
Where is that? Dogen does suggest that something else is present, or perhaps because nothing else is present. He says, however, our face is solemn. Solemn is an interesting word to use here. When I looked it up in the dictionary, because it struck me that he said that, and I, my understanding of it didn't quite fit in a way. Square peg in a round hole, or round peg in a square hole. It's just it's a little off. So the dictionary says, concerning solemn, serious and dignified. In my mind, it was kind of, I don't quite have the word for it, but kind of depressingly serious. That's not what it says. Serious and dignified. Showing or behavior with dignified restraint or earnestness. And then the last definition. Performed with full ceremony. Ah, now I get it. Performed with full ceremony. Our true face is solemn, our bearing in this everyday activity, putting on your pants, for example, is a liturgy. What makes this so? Unselfing attention, selfless attention, just putting on one's pants. We can all do that. Nothing added, nothing subtracted, to just putting on one's pants. What could be more ordinary? What could be more dignified? We do not need to summons the self, nor dismiss the self. We do not need to do anything. Thus, we put on our pants. And as we do so, our pants put us on. That's just the reality of it, when we're not in between it. It's not self-conscious, nor free from self-consciousness. Because we can perform with full ceremony, there is no performance whatsoever. Do you understand? Each moment of life is different, its own moment. Yet the value of each moment is in living it fully, entirely in the living, with full ceremony. Living this moment fully, what does that mean to you? What does that actually mean to you? with nothing excluded. What does it mean to you to practice living fully in the moment? Dogen said, therefore it is said the 10,000 things return to the one. What is this expressing in a most personal and intimate way? 
It is a mature subjectivity. It's stripped of hubris. It's stripped of a sense of specialness or pomposity. It's an ultimate subjectivity with nothing apart from it. The 10,000 things return to the one. At first glance, that sounds like a distant statement. But how is that in your life? There's neither shame of availability nor an assurance coming forth from long practice and understanding. It's just putting on your pants. It's just walking down the aisle. It's just sitting on your cushion or chair. In this, there's a deep appreciation of the unity of all our beings, of all beings, as this being. All others as oneself, without the thought of that. It's because there's no thought of it that that unity is apparent to us. From within practice, we can continue deepening our mature subjectivity. And that comes out of the cultivation of a deep personal silence. It comes out of an exile from this self-centered society that has permeated so much of our world. When we come here and sit, we're exiling ourselves. We're renouncing this world. I'm not talking about being a monastic or a lay student. I'm talking about practicing. To practice Zen is to practice renunciation. What are we renouncing? In this renunciation, I am not it, and yet it is you. I am not that thing outside me. Why? That's what we're investigating, what's outside us, what's inside us. And yet it is you. These two sides, self and no self, life and death, living and dying, are at once wholly one, entirely one, and fully each other, at once. Dogen, in his poetic pointing, offers us a way to understand and realize this. He says, seeing forms with the whole body and mind, hearing sounds with the whole body and mind, one understands them intimately. What does it mean to put on your pants with the whole body and mind? Yet, Dogen says, it is not like a mirror with reflections, nor like water under the moon. When one side is realized, the other side is dark. That brings up for me an image of the moon. 
right? One side is light, the other side of dark is dark. So put yourself on one side, let's say the light side. The dark side doesn't exist for you. Put yourself on the dark side, the light side doesn't exist for you. How many moons are there? When we understand that our life is deeply connected with everything around us, we become aware of its entirety. Nothing is left out of our life. And this is manifested in putting on our pants. How silly in a way, but it's manifested. It's manifested in putting on our robe. It's manifested in a bow. It's manifested in a smile. So nothing is left out. And it's manifested in sitting zazen and also expressing our anxiety and fears. Isn't that interesting? I think we have to hear that over and over and over, not to leave any part of ourself out. Because so quickly, we want to cut, cut, cut out what we don't like. So quickly, instantly. That's the thought. And already, we want to pick up a knife and really cut out our heart when we do that. Cut out our life. Death has no place to go. It's like taking off one's pants. Well, after all, what choice do you have? You will die. There's no place to go at that moment of dying, realized or not. However, Dogen says, our traces are dropped away. Death has no place to go. It is like taking off one's pants. However, our traces are dropped away. Although we have karma, the effects of our life, that karma continues after our death. It is because I die, yet no one is dying, that all traces drop away. It's built in. Now, before dying, we don't know what that means. Our traces are dropped away. We don't know what that means. And after dying, we certainly cannot know meaning. Yet there is meaning. What is the meaning, meaning of at the moment of our death, our traces are dropped away? Can you see there is nothing left out when you die? Nothing. Life has no place once it comes. It's like putting on one's pants. However, our face is solemn. Therefore, it is said that the 10,000 things return to the one. However, our traces are dropped away. Therefore, it is said, where does the one return to? At this very time, how is it? I left out the section on 
taking off your pants there. It's interesting to think this non sequitur just appeared in my mind, that every pair of pants that goes on comes off. It's just the way it is. (laughs) So where does the one return? At this very time, how is it? Practitioner asked Chaucho, the 10,000 things return to the one. Where does the one return to? Chaucho said, what do you think he's going to say? I mean, many of you know this koan. But putting that aside, what, what would you say? What would you think he would say? Definitely something dharmic and mysterious, and something we have to grapple with to penetrate. He said, when I lived in Queen Zhao, I made a cotton shirt weighing, weighing, weighing seven pounds. There's a point in our understanding where our questions and our responses to those questions are not within the realm of me. They're not. That's what koans are about. They're not within my realm. Something else is being asked of us to see, to realize. To see this, to realize this and to understand it, we have to realize that we can't, that we can't approach it from the realm of me. It doesn't make any sense in one way, and yet so did Chao Chao answer the, the practitioner's question? Do you think he did? We can be assured he did. What do you make of this answer? Because it's the answer to the question of your life and death. There is no one in the world who knows the seven-pound shirt. And there is no one else but you who can make it and wear it. Only you. No one else. Can you see Cho coming forth in Dogen's teaching? Life has no place once it comes. It is like putting on one's pants. Death has no place to go. It's like taking off one's pants. Chao said, when I lived in Queen Chao, I made a cotton shirt weighing seven pounds. I was wondering about that seven pounds, but it could be in the translation that it wasn't a shirt, it was a jacket, it was something, so. <laughs> Early on, that I got stuck on that. <laughs> but how do you understand Chao Cho's response in your own life? How do you understand it without explaining it? Maybe we could explain it. Folks are very clever, very wordy. But how do you understand it without explaining it? 
The practitioner asks, the 10,000 things return to the one. Where does the one return to? Hakuin, Master Hakuin, great Japanese master, commented on this. The seven-pound shirt, is this where myriad things return to indeed? If you say yes, you've missed it. If you say no, guess what? <laughs> he says, Chao turns where it is impossible to turn, moves where it is impossible to move. Life has no place to come once it comes. No, no place once it comes. Death has no place to go. Dogen said, commenting on this koan, the ancient Buddha, Chao Cho, has spoken this way. Okay. Suppose a practitioner asked Eho, Eho Dogen, asked me, he's saying, the 10,000 things return to the one. Where does the one return to? I would say it returns going beyond. Going beyond what? Wrong question. There is no what there. It returns going beyond. Dogen says, if the practitioner says, why do you say so? It returns going beyond. I would say, this is Dogen, I stay right here and make offerings to a thousand million Buddhas. Can we see Dogen here? He says, I stay right here. What does that mean? How do you understand that? Where are you staying right now? If he just said, right here, and that was his answer, we might suggest it is too little, too thoughtful, too conceptual. You know, where are you right now? I'm right here. But Dogen says, and make offerings to 10 billion Buddhas. How wonderful. What is Dogen's offering? to a thousand billion Buddhas. What is this offering? He says, I stay right here and make offerings to endless Buddhas. Can you see both sides in Dogen's response? Both sides. I stay right here. It returns going beyond. And make offerings to 10,000 billion Buddhas. What was Chao Cho's offering? When I lived in Kuizang, Kuizang, I made a cotton shirt weighing seven pounds. That was his offering. What is your offering at this moment? Right here in the midst of your life, what is your offering to 10,000 million Buddhas? You don't have to think up an answer. Just your offering is enough. 
That's why Dogen says, do not practice thinking that realization must become the object of one's knowledge and vision and be grasped conceptually. Do not think that. Just make your offering. Just put on your pants. Just take off your pants. And then he says, at this very time, how is it? After a pause, Dogen said, from the beginning, life and death do not involve each other. Offense and happiness are both empty, with no place to abide. That statement, too, has both sides. They don't involve each other, and yet they're empty. The non-abiding is the emptiness. And because of the non-abiding, the past is right here as the present. I mean, Dogen is in the Zendo. He's on Zoom. <laughs> when you and I die, although in a sense we'll be in the past, we will at the same time be right here in the present. Just as your mother and father are within your body and mind, and so many other beings as well. Looking closely, the past is not gone, not past. So I want to end or summarize this talk. Life and death, past, present, future, your life, your death, mine. With a poem by W.S. Merwin, who some of you may know, led a remarkable life, was a remarkable poet, and very, very familiar with Zen practice. And the name of it is Wid Noon, W-I-D-N-O-O-N. And I couldn't figure out the name. And I thought at first means widow and the poem taking place at noon because you'll hear it in a moment. But that didn't feel right. So <laughs> I went to my artificial intelligence source and it turns out in the state I live in, Pennsylvania, is a town called Widdoon. And that's where this poem took place. On the green hill with the river beyond it, long ago, and my father there, and my grandmother standing in her faded clothes, wrinkled, high-laced, black shoes in the spring grass among the few gravestones inside the low fence. By the small white wooden church, the clear panes of its windows letting the scene through the windows. On the other side of the empty room and a view of the trees there. My grandmother hardly turned her head 
staring like a cloud at the empty air, not looking at the green glass gravestone with the name of it, of the man to whom she had been married and who had been my father's father. She went on saying nothing, her eyes wandering above the trees that hid the river from where we were. A place where after she had stood with him one time when they were young and the bell kept ringing. Life and death, are you gone when you die? Are you here when you're alive? How do we say that the past is past? When we are right here in the midst of our life, in the midst of our past. Your life is unborn, undying. And so in this moment, you are full, absolutely full. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.